You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're honored tonight to have Brother Michael Futrell. I always, I always try to give the introduction to Brother Michael. Uh, he grew up in this church. Many of you have known him for a long, long time. And uh, when I came, he was in college, and he came back and he helped us several summers as an intern. And then even with that fall, before you got married, you were such a blessing to, uh, to me. I know you were a, a great blessing to Brother Gary and uh, Brother Mark in those years you served here. And uh, God called him to go be a youth pastor for uh, Pastor Jones and Pastor Delaney. And now uh, Michael and Ashley are serving uh, at the Triumphant Baptist Church in Harrison, Ohio, not far from the Ark and the Creation Museum. And uh, what a wonderful couple, wonderful family. They're three children. And uh, I hope you pray for them. Pray for Warren and Lori. We have certainly missed them. And pray for their health. And pray God will touch them and do a miracle. But Michael, we love you. We're looking forward to hearing you preach. And I just gave the little, uh, little uh, snippet. But any other updates you want to give about your family, we'd love to hear sure. from you. God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, it's always good to uh, be home. And I'm looking forward to being here uh, with you this evening. I uh, enjoyed lunch today with uh, Pastor Cobernat. We made it over to uh, Hunam. Anytime I'm home, that's, that's our go-to spot. And so I, so I really enjoyed uh, being able to get lunch with him. But I'm always thankful when he gives me the opportunity to preach uh, at my home church. And it's a, it's a special place. Victory holds a very near and dear place uh, to my heart. And uh, the fact that he would let me really every year. And I, I want you to know that there's no expectation on my part uh, but I'm thankful for every opportunity that you have given to me uh, to come and preach. It seems like every time I'm home, he accommodates and, and wants me to preach. And that, I find that shocking a little bit, uh, that, that he would want me to preach. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm thankful uh, for the opportunity just to give you a little bit of update for where we are currently. We're entering our fourth year of ministry at Triumphant Baptist Church in Harrison, Ohio. Uh, we're just uh, outside of Cincinnati. We're on the west side. Uh, state line for Indiana runs right through our town, and there's a lot to do uh, in our area. We're 15 minutes from the Creation Museum. We're about 50 minutes from the Ark Encounter. Uh, so if you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you over to our home. We have a guest room. Uh, we'd be more than happy to put you up for a little bit. We have several members who have passes to the Creation Museum where we can get you in for, uh, for free. Uh, and so we'd, we'd love to, to have you come. It's, a, it's an awesome experience. It's just extremely well done. Uh, and it will definitely increase your knowledge of the Word of God. They just did a fantastic job uh, with both of those things. But there's other things to do in Cincinnati uh, as well, and I'd love to talk to you about that after. Uh, but like I said, we're entering our fourth year of ministry uh, there. This, uh, this past summer, we had an opportunity. We're actually renting an actual church building now. Uh, for the entire length of our church, for, for about eight years, we were in a storefront. Uh, and I call it the armpit of that store center there. It was just kind of out of sight, uh, people didn't really know what was going on there, uh, and so we have this opportunity now in a, in a pretty prominent location in our town, a high traffic area, and so our first Sunday there was on Father's Day uh, this summer, and we've just seen great growth uh, since then. This past Sunday, we had a family join our church. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have another family join on New Year's Day. 
a couple weeks ago we had two baptisms. So it's just been it's been really great. We're seeing seeing more fruit. We're seeing more consistent. Our church is excited, uh, and not just numerical growth. We're also seeing great spiritual growth uh, within our church family right now. And so I'm excited what God's doing, and I'm kind of privileged to be a part uh, of of His work. And I'm thankful for. Uh, just, you know, everything that, that you do as a church family and praying for me, uh, it's, it's not uncommon for me to get a text message from someone like, hey, thinking about you and praying for you today. So that, that means a lot uh, to me. Um, I'm always excited to be home and looking forward to sharing God's word with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to go with me to John in chapter number 21. We're going to be looking at the concluding verses uh, of this uh, gospel account, and as you're making your way there, I, I would tell you this, that the gospel of John is, is personally my favorite book in Scripture. Uh, I, I just enjoy reading it. It's, it's, it's a book that I find myself returning to time after time. Uh, but his gospel record uh, is what he witnessed during his time of following Christ. And uh, his writing, it's gone on to impact people all throughout generations. Uh, it continues to impact many generations today. But one of the things that you'll notice as you, as you read the different uh, accounts in Scripture, even the Gospel accounts or just the various books of Scripture, is you won't always find a specific reason stated in that book for why it was written. But the Apostle John, he, he actually shares with us his reasoning for writing his account back in John chapter number 20. If you'd like to look back to chapter 20, verse 31, he says this, But these are written, this is, this is my purpose for writing, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, Amen. the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And so he wanted people to know Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. That Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah. That, that He was the Christ. That, that He was the Son of God and eternal life has been made available through Him. Now one of my goals as a pastor and a preacher and teacher of God's Word, and I believe Pastor Coburnat would share this same goal as well, is that we want to show you Christ more clearly from Scripture. Like We want to show you from the Word of God that, that Jesus is the Christ. We want to reveal to you that He is in fact the Son of God and you can experience new life by putting your faith and trust in Him. Right. My goal for the message this evening is really simple. I want to help you know Christ a little bit more. I, I, want, I want to help you mature as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ. Now to kind of get you up to speed with, with what's taking place in the conclusion of John chapter 21, Peter, he has just been questioned about his love for Christ, and then Jesus actually encourages him to, to continue following him. Now, now, Peter had failed the Lord in pretty epic proportions. But this is one of the things I, I love about this, is it, it didn't catch the Lord off guard. Je, Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. There, there's nothing that catches our Lord by surprise. He understood that Peter had a target on his back. He knew that Satan wanted to see him uh, fail. He wanted to see him fall. And it's easier to fall when you are finding your confidence in yourself rather than finding your strength in Christ through prayer. In Mark chapter number 14, verses 37 and 38, says this, And he cometh, and finding them sleeping. This is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he saith unto Peter, he singles out Peter in this moment, he says, Simon, sleepest thou? 
couldst thou not watch just one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh, it's weak. I just want to share this with everybody tonight. You are not as strong as you give yourself credit for. We're, we're not as strong as we like to think we are. We're not, we're not as strong as we, we like to give ourselves credit for. But one of the aspects of, of Peter's story and his relationship with Christ is not only did the Lord know Peter would fail him by denying him, he also knew that Peter would repent and be restored as well. In Luke chapter number 22, verses 31 and 32, it says this, And the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to, to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, meaning once you have repented, strengthen thy brethren. The Lord knew he's going to fail. But he also knew he's going to repent. Make things right and then be able to be a blessing to his brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, God's plan for Peter remained the same despite his failure. Peter's responsibility was feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Teach my people the truths that I have taught you over the course of these past three years. And God's plan for Peter, the big picture had been all along, to help institute the church that Christ had instituted. To help build the church. You see, as a believer, you're not as effective as you can be in your service to the Lord when you have sin and personal failures that have not been properly dealt with. And Peter, when he was sitting on the shore with Christ, as they were conversing, they were making things right. And now it was the time for Peter to go and strengthen his brethren and then help shepherd God's people. You know, towards the end of Jesus and Peter's conversation, think, things take a turn. It's not an actual ideal turn. Jesus tells Peter that one day he is going to be killed for his faith. But ultimately his death would glorify God. And then Jesus looks Peter in the eye and says, Peter... Follow me. You see, when Jesus first called Peter to follow him, Peter, Peter knew very little about Christ other than that he had just performed some amazing miracle. Now, Peter had walked with him for several years now. He experienced some high moments. He also experienced some pretty low moments as well. But he had just been a witness of the resurrection of Jesus. And, and now he's being confronted with what his future holds, and that is martyrdom. Being killed for his faith. He says, Peter, you will be killed for faithfully following me. Now follow me. You see, being killed for your faith doesn't sound like something wonderful. And naturally, Peter wonders, well... If that's your plan for me, what's your plan for everybody else? That's where I want you to pick up our reading tonight. So if you found your place and you're willing and able to, will you stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word? We'll read John chapter number 21. We'll start reading in verse number 20. And we'll go down through verse 
Number 25 says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. That's in reference to John. Which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Will you bow together with me for a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. Lord, thank you for this special privilege it is to open your word and preach it to your people. Uh, tonight, I pray that you give me clarity of mind. I pray that you strengthen my voice and help me. And Father, I pray that we, we'd have open hearts that are just ready and receptive to hear from you tonight. And so, God, I pray once again, you bless, uh, bless your word now and help us to leave here changed more like you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Thank you for staying. You may be seated. You know, when I, when I was growing up, uh, I had the opportunity to drive a lot of different things uh, that had a motor. You know, I had, I had a go-kart, I had a, I had a four-wheeler, I had a dirt bike. Me and my brother were banned from riding dirt bikes at Brother Charles after an accident. Uh, but that was, I was not involved, I just got banned because of something my brother did. I got to ride a lawnmower. I can remember when my brother started cutting grass. We only had one lawnmower at the time. My grandpa went and bought me my own lawnmower. It's a John Deere LX255. I love that thing. That, that was my lawnmower. We even had a tractor. My grandpa taught me how to drive that. That's how I learned how to drive a stick, driving a tractor. I even got to drive my grandpa's truck uh, through the yard well before, I had, uh, well before I had a license, anything like that. And getting to drive all of these different things, it helped prepare me for the day when I would eventually get my learner's permit uh, and then go on to get my driver's license. Uh, really, when you get your driver's license, that's one of those first big milestones in growing up. You know, you, you begin to experience a little bit of freedom. I got my own vehicle. I can go do what I want now until you don't have any gas money and then you're stuck at home. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's changed or not since I got my license, but before you could get your driver's license at 16, you had to spend at least one year uh, with a learner's permit. And during that year, you were required to drive with someone who had had their license for a minimum of five years. So at 15 years old, my dad took me to take my permit test. I can remember at the time it was a written test. 25 questions, you had to get 20 out of the 25 correct. All right, and I'd already missed my five getting to the final question. So I'm sweating bullets because I'm watching her grade it. And I got that last question right. I got my paper permit and all those good things. And then I got to drive home. But at 15 years old, what essentially happened since I had to drive with someone for, that had had their license for five years is I became my mom's chauffeur. I would, I would drive us to church. I would drive us to the grocery store. I would drive us most anywhere. And believe it or not, at age 15, I was easily distracted. Like, can you imagine a 15-year-old that struggles paying attention? You know, living in a rural area, you know, we live about 45 minutes from here 
in the big town of Lasker, that booming metropolis. You probably, some of you probably never even heard of it. It's that small. Like, so if, you, if you're going... You know, if going this way and you're going to nowhere, just go a little bit past nowhere and you'll end up in Lasker. That's, that's what happens. But living, living in a rural area and having to drive further, further distances to, to get anywhere, it, it also meant that you got to see a lot, a lot more on the way, especially in the fields. That's what distracted me. Things like turkeys, deer, farm animals, tractors. On the way to get lunch today, I saw this deer stand out in the field. And it was like this mega deer stand. It had these massive tires on it. still had a hitch attached to it and everything. I'm like, wow, that's a real deal. They're getting distracted again at 31 years old now. <laughs> and so what would happen is I would start focusing on what was in the field instead of actually focusing on the road. And without fail, what would happen is I would begin to drift in the direction of whatever it is I was looking at and since my mom's not here, I'll tell she just yelled at me. She's like, Michael, out of the funeral, pay attention to the road, you're going to kill us. You know, that kind of thing. And so my mom would yell at me and I would get my eyes back on the road. And what I learned was sometimes you need the help of someone who cares about you and has your best interests in mind to, to get you back on course, so to speak. You see, while, while trying to live the Christian life, you're going to find that there are, there are a lot of distractions that have the potential of stealing your focus away from our Lord Jesus Christ and what He desires from you. They'll make you drift into a direction that, that God never intended for you to go. And surprisingly... One of the things that, that distracts believers from living their best life is spending too much time worrying about the way someone else is living their life. Now, I want to give you a little bit of disclaimer here. This does not mean we should ignore our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely not. This does not mean we should show no concern for the spiritual condition of their hearts. Philippians chapter number 2 teaches us that we are to care for one another. We're, we're to be involved in the lives of one another. Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 and 4 says this, if there, be, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, like having the right mindset of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's a, that's a high level of involvement there. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So what we learn from this passage of Scripture is like, you should see a need and then you should try and help alleviate that need. Show, show some love. Show, show some concern with humility in your heart. This, this isn't comparing yourselves with one another, but sometimes what we do is we let our curiosity about what God is doing in someone else's lives distract us from actually following after the Lord ourselves. And this is what is taking place right now with Peter at the conclusion of John chapter number 21. He's curious about what God has in store for John instead of actually focusing on following Jesus himself. 
And what Peter is doing is he is taking his eyes off of the Lord, which is a mistake he has made on more than one occasion. You, you would think after all the things Peter has been through that he would have learned his lesson by now. But before we're too hard on him, I want to ask you a question. How often do you fail the Lord in the same way on multiple occasions? How often do you find yourself you know, falling into the same trap? Falling, giving into the same temptations over and over. You know, we have a sin which does so easily beset us. We, we have weights that drag us down. And we're, we're, we're to set those things aside. We're to put those things behind us. And so I don't want to be too rough on Peter because we, we have some natural tendencies ourselves. But Peter has a natural tendency to take his eyes off of Christ and focus on the things that are going on around him. You know, if Matthew chapter number 14, we find the disciples, they're, they're, they're actually out crossing the Sea of Galilee and they're in the middle of a storm and Jesus is not with them. Where was Jesus? Well, he was just out taking a casual stroll uh, across the sea waves. And Peter sees this. He sees that the Lord is out there and he asked the Lord, can I come out and join you? And the Lord agrees. He said, yeah, you can come on. And so Peter climbs out of the boat and he starts walking on the water toward the Lord and everything was going well for Peter when his eyes were fixed on Jesus. But the moment Peter took his eyes off the Lord, he started looking at the waves and started thinking about the storm, Peter began to sink. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30 says, But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I believe that encounter, it reveals to us that it is both detrimental and dangerous to look at all the circumstances going on around you instead of actually looking at the Lord. He just cried out, Lord, save me. You see, when Jesus, back in chapter number 21 of our text, when, when Jesus tells Peter... That, that he's going to be killed for following him. Peter actually turns around and he looks back to John who's walking behind them and he asks a foolish question. And the reason I say it's foolish is because the outcome of that question did not affect Peter. John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, And what shall this man do? Essentially, Peter was saying this, Lord, you just told me what's going to happen to me. Now, what's going to happen to John? And instead of being concerned about himself, he began to be more concerned about what was going to happen to John. But it wasn't the good type of concern because it was done in a spirit of comparison and competition. Well, how do you know that, Brother Michael? How, how do you know it just wasn't curiosity getting to Peter? Well, the answer to that's actually found in Jesus' response because Jesus rebukes him. Jesus reminds him, hey, Peter, it's your job to follow me, not meddle in the lives of other believers. John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Why does it matter at all, Peter? Your job is to follow me. And this is one of the things that I'm continuing to learn as I grow and mature in my own faith. And that's this, we are not meant to know everything. We're not meant to know it all. The only person who is meant to know it all is God Himself. Because He is all-knowing. 
And sometimes it's just none of our business. You know, contrary to popular belief, you don't always have to be in the know. You, you don't have to be. I know you really enjoy being in the know because we all, we all like, yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's some great information you got there. But really our responsibility comes down to this, and that's just follow the Lord. Follow Jesus. We need to be especially careful that, that we keep our eyes on Christ instead of spending so much time looking at the lives of other believers. You see, looking unto Jesus is the goal. Not, not looking under what Pastor Coburnat's doing. Not looking under what John Glover or Brother Charles Bryan is doing or Brother Mike Sewell. No, it says looking unto Jesus. That, that's our goal. That's our mark that we're pressing towards. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Each of you are on a race. Run your race. Don't run somebody else's. Don't meddle in somebody else's. Run your own race. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, to get distracted by ourselves, by our own doings, or by other Christians is to disobey the Lord and possibly drift outside the will of God for our own lives. So what you need to do, what I need to do, is we need to make the choice to keep our eyes fixated on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so here's, I know some people like jotting down things, like taking notes. Here's here's the main takeaway that that I want you to get this evening. Especially as as we enter into the new year, we're going to be starting with some fresh goals, right? You know, every new year you got, you got a long list. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do this. Well, this year, New Year's falls on a Sunday. So you're already thinking, I'm going to start on the second, right? You're not like New Year's round. Well, we can't start on a Sunday. We've got to start on a Monday. All right, so we, we, got, we got new, fresh goals. And so as we enter into a new year, a new season, this is what I want you to do. Focus on your calling, not the calling of someone else. Focus on what God has for you instead of being so fixated on what God has for someone else. Like, focus on His plan for your life instead of worrying and getting caught up in what God is doing in someone else's life. I believe there are too many Christians that, are, that are, have become guilty of spending more time being worried about what, what God's plan is for someone else instead of actually being focused on what it is God wants from them. This is one of the things that I'm continuing to learn as well, is God's plan isn't identical for everyone. Now, it is the same in the sense that God wants all of us to love Him. He wants all of us to to worship Him and praise Him and serve Him. So in the context of God's will, it's the same for us in that sense. You know, God's will for each of us is is that we would be obedient to His revealed Word that we would be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, but the specific details of His leading are not the same for everyone. I don't want to sound cliche here tonight, but God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for, for our Christian friends. And I would say He has a plan for those in our circle of influence, and He has a plan for those without our circle of influence. 
How He works in their lives is His business. Not our own. Our business is to follow Him as He leads us. In the New Testament, you will find that God calls people to different purposes. We all have different roles that God wants us to fill. An example of this would be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It says, And He gave some apostles, and He gave some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come together in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What we see just even in this short example right here is God does not call everyone to serve Him in the same capacity, but He does call all of us to serve Him. And He does call all of us to follow after Him. And our desire for each other should be that we would all submit to and follow Christ. But the person you should be most concerned about this evening, about submitting to and following Christ, is yourself. You should be focused on yourself. You see, what happens is we start to get off track when we start looking at the level of service, our own level of service versus the level of service of another believer. When we start comparing ourselves, well, you know, I, spent, I spent eight hours at the church this week. They ain't doing nothing. Do you think that attitude's beneficial? Is that helping anyone at all? Hey, friend, your spiritual health is not based on how your service compares to the service of someone else. That's not how we base our spiritual health. Our spiritual health is based on how well we are following the Lord's guidance through both His Word and His Spirit. So you want a spiritual health checkup? Are you obeying the Word of God? Are you following the Spirit's leading when when He's speaking to your heart? You know, another way we can begin to drift is when we start comparing our suffering versus the suffering of another believer. You know, sometimes when we talk about our suffering, it's like a a competition, right? It's like, well, this is how bad I got it. It's like you're trying to get a medal for who's got the most suffering. No, we shouldn't be comparing our suffering amongst each other. You know, we also miss the mark when we think, feel, and say that someone else isn't living up to our own standards. You see, one of the biggest detriments to spiritual growth, to the spiritual growth of a believer, is comparison. That's, that's, if anything comparison does, it's going to stunt your spiritual growth. And when you find yourself kind of constantly comparing yourself with others, it's, what it's actually revealing is there's something negatively affecting your own heart, your own spirit, and your own attitude. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is quite clear in the warning it gives to comparing ourselves with each other. It's actually not the smartest decision. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 
So when you start comparing your level of service and you start comparing your own spirituality and you start comparing your own personal standards amongst the standards of other believers, instead of measuring yourself against God's Word and the person of Christ, what it reveals is that you lack understanding. You are not wise when you're comparing yourself amongst everybody else. It's not wise and it's certainly not beneficial for anyone. It might make you feel good for a moment, but when you measure yourself up against the Word of God, and you measure yourself up against the person of Christ, you fall short. You fall very short. And there was no benefit in Peter worrying about what would happen to John. The, the most beneficial thing that Peter could have done in this moment was follow Christ as he had instructed him to do. Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Follow me. That's what Peter needed to be focused on. But instead of focusing on that, he got, he got consumed by what was going to happen with John. Before John, John signs off, though, we're, we're almost done, he does put out this disclaimer that Jesus never said that he wouldn't die because that's the rumor that was spreading. Like, Jesus is going to come back and John's going to be here when he gets back. And he emphasizes that all Jesus was trying to do was make a point that it was none of Peter's business what God had in store for another believer. Look again at verse number 23. It says, Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? But... When John concludes in verses 24 and 25, he brings the focus back to Christ. He says, This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they were written, should be written every one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. What John is essentially saying as he finishes out his gospel account he says, what I've written is true, and what I have written can be trusted. And sure, there, there are many other things that I could have written. I, I walked with Jesus for three years. I can write more than 21 chapters. But the things that I have written are true and accurate and can be trusted. And if I were to write everything that I saw, there, there wouldn't be enough paper in the world to write down everything there is to know about the Son of God. What I've written, it points to His deity. What, what I've written says He is the Son of God. What I have written shows you He is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Christ, and will you follow Him? Will you follow Him? You see, the question that Jesus posed to all of His disciples is the same question that He poses to you and I today. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Don't, don't worry about what someone else thinks. Don't, don't get caught up in what everybody else is doing or what they're not doing. You faithfully follow Christ. Faithfully follow Him. Fall, take, fall in love with His Word. Think about it this way. 
When you're driving, the only thing that you should be focused on is what's taking place on the road ahead. When it comes to the Christian life, it's like going down a road. And there is a specific road that Jesus wants you to take. There's a specific path that he wants you to follow. And sometimes that road leads to suffering. Certainly the case with Peter. He would die a horrific death. But sometimes that road leads to great blessing as well. And Peter got to experience a lot of blessings along that way. But tonight, regardless of where that road leads, as long as Jesus is the one who is leading, you will know that you are exactly where he wants you to be. And distractions, they are everywhere. So keep your eyes on Christ and just continue to follow after his leading. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.